Um, but yeah, again, that just yeah comes down to yep. understanding the variance of the game because you know those those hand classes are right up there because they are good hands and over you know a certain sample size you will win over the course of your playing career with with aces and might not seem like it for a little yeah for little stretch period, if you yeah. especially if you're going on a downswing and you just keep getting those premiums getting them in keep getting them cracked yeah it just feels like oh I'm playing them wrong I should I need to play them differently maybe I should yeah you know ship in a hundred big big blinds pre so I just take down the blinds and keep going from there just to yeah. just so they don't get cracked but yeah it's um yeah times like those you need to kind of stick to your formula stick to your game plan and It's a good sound, though, isn't it? It is nice. <laughs> never gets old. It never does. Gee whiz, that's pretty good for a midi. So uh, welcome to another episode of the Drinks with Jackson podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson, and today sitting across from me is Dean Cathy. How are you, buddy? Not too bad, mate. How are you? It's, yeah, I'm cruising, man. Thanks for having cruising. me. Ah, you're welcome. Hey, uh, we probably met, I reckon, 12 to 18 months ago, I reckon, first proper conversation I had with you was at the Peppermill Hotel. Yep, that sounds very right. Thursday night mm, poker. Mm, yep. Mm. Um, which obviously we'll allude to and I'll have in the show notes, but it's a poker a poker episode. So uh DC poker, you go by. Um Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just on uh on the on the old Insta. So yep. yeah, just um bit of a specialties specialty gamer. Yeah, PLO mixed. Yeah, that's it. So um yeah, generally look at um yeah, my go-to games uh, PLO Hilo, which is yeah a bit of a variant on the traditional four-card four-card version. Um, yep. But yeah, just got started in the game like anyone else back in the day. Just um, yeah, friends um, hearing about the game, seeing it on. I think they must have yeah seen it on um, some ESPN highlights or something back in the World Series back in two thousand five. I think really? is when I first. First started to pick the game up. One of my one of my um, yeah, good high school friends, uh, Brad, taught me the game. Just out at his parents' place, just um, out the back there, got the old um, yeah, Kmart chip deck and um, yeah, cards and stuff like that. And basic, just basic setup. To yeah, begin with started out pretty basic, and then yeah. I think um, yeah, that was around the time when online poker was just starting to kick off. So I, he told me, well, you can play on the internet as well, and I was I was just blown away. And yeah, I think we opened up. Party poker and might have played a few hands of one cent, two cent, no limit holding. Yeah, yeah, it's um kind of gone from there, really. Yeah, it was a 2012, 2013 when they really sanctioned online gambling in Australia. Yeah, so online poker and online gambling is two, two different things because you can play with play money. It is, yeah, yeah. So when it comes down to yeah playing for actual actual dollars, um, because it was it was in the bit of a grey area, a grey market for quite a fair while up until about 2012, 13 when um, – yep. And then it was completely banned September 2017 after the 2016 IGA Amendment Bill passed, the Senate. Yeah. Which I think it was mainly around poker stars. Yeah, that's it. So it was um, – yeah, they just kind of came in and um, just the regulations, yeah, weren't very clear and they wanted to kind of clean it up. So, yeah, sites like um, – yeah, Party Poker, Full Tilt, Poker Stars, Triple uh, Eight, they were just all operating in Australia just because it wasn't clear either way, yes you can or no you can't because they're 
mainly offshore-based companies. Yeah. Um, so they weren't um, like you could play in Australia, but they weren't um, governed. Yeah, governed or housed governed in here. So they were kind of skirting around um, what laws were there. Yeah. But yeah, it did um, uh, get um, updated. I think it would have been yeah around that time, and um, yeah, the larger operators started to pull out because it it wasn't worth wasn't worth them getting. Um, yeah, juice wasn't worth the squeeze. It wasn't all. worth wasn't worth the squeeze. But it's it's interesting because in there, it lists that it's illegal for companies to offer offer online poker in Australia, but it's not illegal for players to actually if they can find a way to actually play. So um, yeah, there's some smaller websites out there yeah. that still do operate um, against the law. I'm not going to give a big shout out to them because no you blinds. can you can actually get in trouble for um, yeah um, promoting pr- it. promoting illegal yeah, gambling sites, 100%. but. Yeah, it's just interesting that if you know you are playing on there and you're and you're winning, you're not actually breaking the law, but the company providing that service is. Butch Scott, who plays with us, um, he was talking like it's all good and well once you find the site, but trying to get your money out and into an mm. Australian bank account, like with the Swift code and all of that, can be quite a hassle. That's it. There's a lot of lot of loops to jump through. Like it's not as easy as nowhere near near as easy as sports betting in Australia. Like that's yeah, yeah, ridiculously easy. Like you. Open up a can, you get verified. You can be betting in within half an hour, and just load your card up and direct deposit. But yeah, if yeah. you're looking to yeah going down the other path of um, yeah different types of gambling, you'd have to start looking at depositing in crypto. And yeah. you know then it gets pretty dark. Then when it comes to tax time, like they you're trying to withdraw and stuff, like the government's going right to be on, wanting yeah. to know what what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And with, e- with even on that too, like um, Joe Hashem, I know that uh, the ATO were trying to put him in it bit of deep hot water when he won the world series of poker back in 2005 yeah that was the year so yeah. um i think he justified it because he had a tax return he was working as a broker at the time right so it's yeah. like these are winnings through gambling but it's not my professional job so, so yeah he's got around it that way yeah like the likes of david walsh who he's a professional gambler down in tasmania he owns uh the mona museum of new and old art Old mm-hmm. new art. Uh, he does a lot of gambling. Like his one, I think he spent a million dollars on lottery tickets in some European country and won like sixteen million in return. Like yeah, right. just a lot of algorithms, uh, big bets placed, uh, like uh, Melbourne Cup, like Spring Carnival, like just him and another guy. It's all about the algorithms. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, like the ATO just hound him. Yeah, right. But, you know, the yeah. difference between us putting a bet on Spring Carnival and actually winning a couple of grand versus him, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Different worlds. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit strange. But, um, yeah, getting back to the poker, um, and then I think you gave me a follow and then I'm like, what's DC poker? And it, it clicked with me. Yep. Um, I love that you're, you veered away from just the generic Texas Hold'em. Like obviously you play and you play well. You won the other week at the Pepper Mill. Yeah, two weeks ago. So I had a bit of a win. So I'd been on yeah. a yeah, a little bit of a downswing from the start of this year. So that's just how it goes. Variance sometimes. Like you're not gonna especially playing with torn, like tournament poker. Um and pub poker. And pub poker as well. Like you yeah. yeah, because it's entry level, you do get a lot of a lot of beginners and stuff like that. But you want to encourage that. Like um I think last night the game we played, I had um three new guys on my table I'd never seen before, younger, younger blokes and yep. They've been playing around at home a little bit. It was their first night out, so it was great to see them, had a chat and stuff like that, and, yep. you know, they were pretty, playing pretty well. Um, but, yeah, just, yeah, variance in poker 
yeah, can be something you can't really push back against sometimes, and especially in tournament poker, because, you know, 90% of the time you're not even going to make it to the money and then winning the tournament outright is going to be even rarer. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes you can just, you know, get on those those runs and I was on a yeah, bit of a bit of a downward run at the start of the year. Um, you know, just, you know, getting getting your chips in good and then you you lose just to, yeah, as I said, the variance and just get unlucky or you just get in a bit of a – you want to try and avoid the mindset of um, – yeah, if you've got a game plan and you believe in how you play, you should always be sticking to that no no matter what. And like you don't want to just be, you know, um changing your style up to yeah, kind of yes, dig, dig your way out of those holes and 100%, stuff like that. Especially and it's tough because like you you'll find yourself and being on tilt has busted more players than it hasn't, sort of thing. And you know, the likes of a pub poker, you might get a newbie that'll go all in with a two outer and hit. Like, you know, 80% of people would just fold straight off the bat. You know, the other 15 would fold after thinking about it for a little bit. You're only going to get that 5% that will really just take yeah. the chance. Yeah, that's it. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, Sharan for J-Ram. He won the Aussie Millions back in 2017. I yep. played a little bit with him down at the uh, APL PT. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And um, I think he comes second or third in the Jack Star. But there was a deal made. I think they all sort of agreed seventy grand for second, third. Okay. Yep. Yep. So the deal so was placed. Flattened it out, which is it up. pretty mm. good money. But yeah, uh, it's crazy. Like I think his, you know, he won the Aussie Millions on a hundred and thirty-five dollars satellite ticket. Yeah, I heard that. I think um, Joel was yeah um, on, on the quite about out long yeah. that and then a few I, episodes ago. Yeah, I uh, watched the Aussie Millions for four and a half hours, the final table, the final four or five. And just like the way he conducts himself and chatting to him, you know, on the tables, he said he just to really get good, you got to be playing, you know, your 10, 12 hour days, like Mickey's poker room. Mickey, he was down there when his first title APL, I think it was, might've been the mini high roller, the $600 one. Mm -hmm. Um, But you really got to sharpen your tools, your artillery with, you know, 10, 12 hour days playing you know, three or four hours on a Wednesday and a Thursday and then trying to go down to Melbourne and concentrate for 10 to 12 hours straight for consecutive days potentially. Exactly. It's just... And still trying to be on your A game. I mean, yeah. you, sometimes you can only do so much if, you know, those days are... Because the goal is so obviously, yeah, last the entire time and be the only one left at the end of the tournament with all the chips. And, yeah, just the, the local weekly games, they're quick ones and they're structured because the venue has to have a closing time as well. So yeah, definitely understandable that that's how those ones roll. But um, yeah, as you said, yeah, going down to the like APL, um, yeah, poke tour stops and yeah, even when the Aussie Millions etc. were running, um, just those just those long days and those even those multi multi days in the in the main events, um, yeah, everything like that. Like I, yeah, past couple of times I've been trying to trying to get that bag after day one of a. Of a main and make it to a day two, haven't and have a good bag. Exactly too, right. Not just you can yeah. get blinded out, can't you? Exactly. Not just you know you start the day with, you know, um, at the time a hundred big blinds or something like that. When it comes time to bag up here, or coming back to day two with three big blinds, like you kind of really want to, really want to, yeah, yeah, you make make your time. You're worth it, but you also yeah. want to, you know, yeah. play reasonably as well. It's pretty strategic. Like if you've got a break coming up and you've got the ability to rebuy. And you really got a 50-50 decision. I think being placed like 
your ranges and the decisions that you make leading up to breaks and the cutoff, uh, it, it can really dictate what you're going to do. Yeah, it can. Mm. As opposed to, you know, if it's 100, 200 blinds, you've been sitting down for 10 minutes, you know, you might be a little bit loose. You might play your jack nine suited versus, you know, if it's 10 grand, 20 grand with a 20 grand ante, it's yeah, like, exactly. oh, yeah, throwing them straight in the muck. Exactly. And when you're yeah, sitting down to just begin with, you want to, you know, feel the table out, see how how people play. And, um, yeah, when you're getting close to the end of the day, you can, you might, you know, pick up on some some tendencies and kind of take advantage of coming to the end of the day because um, on the other side of the coin, a lot of people just want to make it to day two and they just want to, you know, I'd, I've bought in, I don't want to have, I don't want to rebuy, I'm going to hang on to these chips and maybe you can, you know, kind of push them around and yeah. win a few pots that you're not supposed to and kind of. And that's yeah, the thing too, stuff. like, you know, even with cold decks, I, I really had this issue leading up. Like I come third in, I don't know, one of the events down in Melbourne, mm. which yep. I probably should have won. But yeah, and then you're on tilt and then you're getting blinded out. It was just. Yeah, going from, yeah, two yeah, play to the third. Yeah, and then, quite substantial real quick. Mm. But like um, when the decks are cold, trying to make your own luck, because if you play tight, they see that too. Exactly. They can see you're mm. getting frustrated and, you know, they'll three bet your big blind just because I think a lot of that time. So. Yeah, yeah, they're just taking advantage of the situation. And 100%. Yeah, when you're getting to the, yeah, the, like the top five, top three in the money, that's where the big pay jumps are as well. So, yeah, um, yeah you've got to, I guess, yeah, well, everyone enters a tournament to, you know, try and win it. So you just got to, yep. um, this is how we yeah, go. yeah, pick your spot sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Aubrey is your next big one. Yeah, it will be. So that's, that's next month. Um, no, the one after, where are we? We're April. So it's yeah. the start of June. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, you've told me just before, just before we hit record that it was a five day series. It's been pushed out to a six day. Yeah. So, which is excellent. Early one day earlier, one day earlier. So yeah. So that'll be, um, I guess it'll start on the uh, 6th of June to the 11th. So the Tuesday yeah. to Sunday then. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be – I'm guessing similar events to Melbourne because that was a six-day event as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I went down to Albury, uh, the one at the end of last year. So um, I only went down for, the, yeah, the last couple of days. PLO. Um, so, yeah, jumped in. So I missed I missed the bigger buy in PLO. That was at the start of the series. So I jumped in the uh, the smaller self-dealt one. Um and managed to run that into a final table. So um, just scraped in the money. So they paid top seven. I came seventh. Yep. Um, so, and then, yeah, earlier on in the year last year, um, a final table, uh, another PLO. So that was the higher buy-in one where you've actually got dealers there, which is which is quite handy um, yeah, because just, then you don't have, don't have to worry about, um, don't have to worry about, you know, working out the pots because, yeah, that game being pot limit, yeah. um, you can't just go all in at any time. You, Someone says, I want to bet the pot. You have to work out exactly down to the chip what it is. And, you know, then the next person might say the same thing. So you've got to rework out the pot and it can it can slow the game down. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not the best at math by yep. any stretch of means. Um, so, yeah, that was an enjoyable experience. So that was a long day. So that one, I think, kicked off at two and I busted in seventh out of 100 and something people. I can't remember off the top of my head. Eighth, eighth out of 127. Eighth, yeah, eighth, sorry. 1525. It's not a bad little. So, yeah, it wasn't a bad little getting. score. Um, but, I, yeah, I busted eighth and it was, I think, nearly 2 a.m. So that was 12 hours and they still had the final table to complete. Yeah. So, um, no, that was a good run. So I actually busted the, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, eight-handed final table and I actually busted the first hand. So that was a little bit unfortunate. And to, I think top prize was 
eight or nine grand. So yeah. you can just see how big the, the jumps are. The big money jumps are. So I think I think a min cash was about eight hundred. So I worked worked way up a little bit, but sometimes you sit back and you think, you know, you've got you know, take home twelve hundred, but it could have been, you know, you played the mini, four, four or five X that. Yeah, you played the mini high roller prior to that. Is that right? Um, so that was Is that October twenty two, APLPT Aubrey? So that was on the list of things, yeah. List of things. So usually I like to get the schedule, look at what all the games possible will be if I don't run well. So if I bust out, I'll go to the next event, go to the next event. So sometimes I do miss events for a Due if to deep run runs, deep, yeah. So yeah, that first day I missed yeah a couple of events due to the deep um, run in the PLO. Deep run the PLO. So then I came back the next day, and um, yeah, I late regged the the finisher or the Sunday freeze out or something like that. Um, and I came, uh, yeah, and I think I ended up coming twelfth in that. So that was a little bit off the money and a little bit off um, yeah cashing. Still though, like that that's one. a bloody so, good of it. It's- it's uh, pretty interesting too. Like the uh, No Limit Holder Mini High Roller was four fifty. Then we saw the increase to six hundred down in Melbourne. Yeah, that's it, right. It, yes. So mm. like the the entry, you know, the price of entry now with a few of the uh, oh, what's the word for the main games? You know, the freeze out that the Century and the Jack Star. Like mm. the the. The entry price is slowly increasing. I think with the APL millions at uh, Southport Sharks up in the Gold Coast, they've now got a five thousand dollar event. Yeah, they do. So, so hopefully, trying to really invite that international talent back to Australia that we haven't really seen since the Aussie Millions. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, yeah, like if you yeah, quite unquote the pub poker leagues are just yeah really kicking goals these days compared to um yeah the casino. The casino series is outside probably the um, the WPT series that I think might happen in Queensland. Yeah, um, yep, there's right no there. and Sydney and Sydney as well. So there's no no real big option because yeah, for the foreseeable future, Crown can't run any tournaments whatsoever just to do to their current licensing restrictions. Un- under a th- it has to be under a thousand dollars, and you can't play for more than twelve hours. Exactly. So that all they so. could be running is like single day turbos and stuff like that, and if. There's, Juice isn't worth the squeeze. It's, the it's not really, especially when they could be, if they take out a few poker tables, throw in a couple of slot machines, they're making probably 10x their, yeah. 10x their revenue. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how long it is going to be until tournaments do come back at Crown. Uh, the cash game tables are still going as far as I know. Yeah. Haven't been down this year, but I'd like to, yeah, just pop down for a bit of a bit of a trip. Might play some PLO cash at some stage this year. Um, yeah, might see how we go. Yeah, after the Aubrey series, build up the bankroll a little bit and go go play a bit of live cash. So it's yeah, been a little bit since I've done that. Um but yeah, look, I'd love to see it come back one day. Um just the cram poker room's world class, the whole the whole venue is, yeah. it's just great. Um, the way they conduct themselves is second to none. Like. Oh, it's yeah, very professional. I mean, I yeah, had, never got the chance to play. Well, yeah, their main event was um yeah, 10,000 10, 10, buy-in. So pretty um, big. thought about playing, yeah, a couple of satellites back in the day, but um, gave those a miss. I did – what year was it? Um, would have been 2017? Yep. Around that time anyway because um, they have a bunch of side events like any series. So I jumped in the, um, yeah, PLO high-low 2017, the Aussie Millions. So, um, yeah, back then hadn't played the game a lot and I think I, I was – a little bit too confident for a four-figure buy-in, just only really playing some, yeah. Um, house stuff. House stuff and some small 
some small tournaments in cash online. So I thought I'd, you know, shoot my shot, jump yeah. in. Um, so only really lasted probably about four hours of day one and busted. But I did have a pretty hard table draw um, on that first day. So I was we were playing eight handed, and on my table we had um we had um who was it uh, David Gore. Um, so for those of you who don't know who he is, he's in the Australian Poker Hall of Fame and he's 18th on the all-time money list yeah, so for Australian. So, two, yeah, he's taken home 2.1 in, yeah, yeah um, in, in life, life earnings. And then also had Jeff Lissandra on there as well. So, um, yeah, he's sixth on the all-time money list for Australia. He's um, ticked over, yeah, six and a half million and he's got six World Series of Poker bracelets, all in mixed events. So I sat down, saw all those two blokes there and I thought, okay, how am I going to get through the day? And, um yeah, was lost. there much conversation that went on on the table? There was actually. Yeah, they were both both quite open. Both quite open. Both quite chatty. I mean, for those guys, these little side events is like us going down and yeah, playing the you know the local thirty dollar tournament. Like they're just oh, yeah. kind of sitting in there just to pass some time until like the higher events come around, like the bigger PLOs and the and the main and stuff. But yep. yeah, which is good because you get to um, yeah, like I remember seeing Jeff Lissandra on some ESPN um, World Series. He ran deep in the main event one year. Uh, I think it was the same year he won three bla- three bracelets in the same year and he made a deep run in, I think it was the year Jamie Gold won. Yep. So whenever that was, 06 or something like that. Um, yeah, so just, yeah, seeing him on ESPN and then you're yeah, sitting down at the same table playing with him. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty cool feeling. And, that, and that's right, a good thing about poker as well is um, – the barrier to entry is literally just money. Like it's no, it's no skill or anything like that. Like, you know, if you want to uh, wake up tomorrow and, you know, jump on the Melbourne Demons AFL list and go have a kick with them, that's there's yeah, too many barriers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you want to play with any of the world-class poker players, it's you literally it. if you have the bankroll, you can sit down and play with the world's best and sometimes beat them. Yeah. yeah. Um, Daniel Negreanu posted the games on Twitter that he was going to be playing in. And a lot of them were quite achievable for anyone, like the barrier to entry. Mm. Like I think the lowest was the 333, the $333 yeah, right. game. Yep. Um, but yeah, just imagine sitting next to him in one of the lowest entry games. Just incredible. You know, kid poker on yeah, the exactly. same table is, is, is incredible. Yep. Man. What draws you to the uh, mixed games more than – Texas is it just that there's a bit more strategy and less people play overall um so that gives you an edge comes down to that a little bit um like the yeah the mixed games are a lot less popular but that's probably because they're quite hard to find like especially playing live unless you're playing at home or you're finding a specific tournament series or something like that to play and learn mixed um your best bet's probably to jump online play some play money just to get some hands under your belt and I did that for quite a while. I remember, um, yeah, through COVID, yeah, 2020, obviously, yeah, live poker was, you know, getting stopped and started and stopped. And yeah. so I kind of, um, yeah, thought it might be a bit of a good opportunity to just to jump on PokerStars Play Money and, um, yeah, just jumped in and started, yeah, kind of teaching myself the games. And, um, yeah, I guess just after playing No Limit Texas Holden for so many years as well, um, just a bit of variety as well. So, the, yeah, just with the rules are different, different amount of cards, different betting structures. Like it's, yeah, just kind of I think helped me kind of have a bit more understanding that there are other game types up out there and which are just as enjoyable. But, um, yeah, not, not as popular. So 
if you're looking to yeah play a live mixed game, um, unless you know um, people in like little groups who would get together and play those, or as I said, if a particular series is coming around where um, it is like mixed game based, um, you're probably going to yeah struggle to find in Australia anyway. Yeah. Sort of struggle to find somewhere to play. But um, yeah, I do recommend if you have anyone that has a chance, you can still download. Um, PokerStars play money for free on your computer or yep. phone as far as I know. Just make an account and just jump on there and play with your play money chips and see it's how gonna, it goes. It's going to be way cheaper that way. I think I, I didn't run that deep in the deep freeze stand in Melbourne, the $600 event. And I think the crazy pineapple was running upstairs later that night. And I think everyone, 80% of the field, were in the same sort of mindset. We haven't run deep. We still want to play. Mm-hmm. Let's give this a go. Yep. Uh, I think you have to discard... A one card after the flop, so prior to the turn. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it didn't really seem to be much skill involved. The chick that won it that got the 100K Invitational, Yep, she mm-hmm. was on my table. And just, like, the pricing and her, yeah, it was just weird. You know, like, blinds were 3-6. Uh and every time she raised, it was always 4,200. Like, you know, okay. well, it, mm. it's what's that, four and a half X. Yes. And that, that didn't vary between, you know, three, six, four, eight, five, one. Oh, so she kept the same it, it was open just size for different. Always the same open size. Um, she, you know, guys would check raise and then she'd crack them, like the typical pub poker stuff. Yep. And they just really didn't seem to be, you know, that much strategy. But it was. Interesting to play it because it gave you, I don't know, it just made you a bit more of aware. You know, like when you're playing Texas, it's just, uh, am I in or, or am I out? Mm, and you might it. fold 60 to 80% of your cards. So you really just switch off. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do, mm. especially with the big games. It's like you really want to conserve a bit of the energy and concentrations. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, just um, strange. Strange, but it's something that really intrigues me. Like, what's horse? That's uh, Hold'em, Omaha, Raz, seven cards, stud, and uh, stud eight or better. So that's yeah, seven cards, stud, high low. Yeah, yep, yep. And um, yeah, they're all limit betting as well. Yeah, yep. So it's all limit. So it's yeah, limit Hold'em, limit Omaha. The de- the and dealers really got to be on the game for that one. They definitely do. So oh, yeah, sure. so they got to be yeah. Um, so yeah, the betting. And the betting structure is, yeah, different for um, – because you got, yeah, you, you hold them in your Omaha, which is, you know, you've got your, um, yeah, five community cards out, but then, yeah, you're playing your um, – you're raising your stud and that's um, seven straight poker. So that's, um, yeah, more betting rounds as well. And um, with, yeah, those games having, yeah, no community board and you've, um, yeah, got the uh, the three – yeah, if you make it to seventh straight, you'll have three face down and four face up. So you're – like playing your own boards against each other, so it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's um it's not the easiest game because you got to start thinking. Yeah, I kind of yeah struggled the first few times getting into the Omaha streets when you transition from No Limit Hold'em because with No Limit, if you play for a number of years, you've kind of got established your own style and what you think are good hands and ranges and stuff like that, and you jump into a game where you know, you think, oh, I've just got two extra cards. That's great. It's going to transition really easily, but you know, there's a lot more that, that goes into it. Um, so, yeah, for example, like you've got in No Limit, um, 
yeah, best starting air is aces. So if you're playing Omaha, you think, oh, well, if I get aces in any other two cards, that's great. But if, yeah, if you start Omaha case. with like, yeah, two aces with a, um, a 10 and a four and they're four different suits, you're probably you're in trouble. nearly flipping with like a double-suited run then like king, king, queen, jack, 10, double-suited is be close to a five, you're nearly flipping there. Yeah. Whereas if, yeah, you got king, queen versus aces in no limit, you're a substantial favorite. So, um, and yeah, just like different hands for different positions and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, it's just all about, you know, putting the time in and learning and, yeah. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got to enjoy it though. You've got to have, got to have fun. Oh, hundred percent. These games, like, yeah, some, some people I see just, yeah, even the low binds, they t- just take it a little bit too seriously. Um, and that kind of affects other people's, um, you know, spirits at the table as well, especially if you've got new players at the table and you've got an experienced player there telling them that they're, they're doing something wrong or that more to the fact they're playing poorly, they're not going to want to come back. Yeah. Like you're going to get new players come in, play once, and they might go out early and add another player telling me I'm, I'm a bad player. It's like, well, they must be right, so I, I want to come back and – you know, we need to grow this game as much as possible. Not yeah, it's not, a state of not, survival. Not push really. people away. Exactly right. Hundred percent. Exactly Especially mm. like down in Melbourne, like there are a lot of egos down at the PT. Like that was my first one. I know you've been to a few, mm. and you can probably tell like the guys that just you know they really need to kill the ego. Yeah, they just yeah. I don't know whether it's yeah persona they're putting on to try and intimidate people, or whether they think they're just that much better than the competition. But sometimes it does. Does, does rub off. off a little bit poorly, yeah. which is unfortunate. Like, um, yeah, it's not very often I take the game, you know, too seriously. Um, I'm not one to sit there with my, um, yeah, sunnies and headphones on and not talk to anyone or anything like that. But, like, you know, in a bigger tournament, if you're getting down closer to the money and stuff like that, you will, you know, focus on in game and take it seriously. But you take a bad beat, you take a bad beat. I mean, yeah. last year on, um, yeah, I was, yeah, playing the Shep day one for the um, Melbourne. Um, PT. Yeah, the Melbourne PT stop. Um, and it was, I think, the second last level of the day. Um, yeah, start with 50K in chips. I was up to around 200 or so. I'm like, that was kind of where I wanted to be. Um, and then I played a pot, um, Aces versus Kings pre, and I couldn't get away from the Kings. And yeah, you just bust like I've, you know, worked, you know, pretty hard f- to get five there hours too. to get there. I'm only half an hour off bagging and going into day two down in Melbourne with, um, yeah, at least average stack. And I couldn't get away from it. And as soon as I bust, two people at the table just turned to me and said, what are you doing? You should have folded. It's obviously you had aces. Oh, and it's like, it was like 10 seconds after. I'm like, can you at least let me deflate deflate, or just kind of take it in? Like he was still raking in my chips and yeah. I had a couple of people just telling me, hey, you, you played that bad. You played terrible. I'm like, well, it is kings. You know, it's – it's, yeah. and I'm trying to yeah build a stack for day two. Like, yeah. Aces, kings, queens, a lot of people like pub poker, like where we are, will generally play them the same. Even Danny Melbourne on the cash tables, people will just ship it with those three hands. Even ace, king, you know, like hedge their bets. Yeah, exactly. Some, yeah, some people just have the, I don't know whether every time they get those hands, they just think back to the the big pots I've lost with the hands. So they're like, well, like if I play any type of passive route, I'll lose. So I might as well go all in. Um and then I can't quote unquote play them incorrectly because I do understand that line of thinking to an extent because I know for me, I remember a lot of the bigger pots I've lost than I've won. Um, 
So yeah, like that, you know, the bad beats and all that kind of stick in your stick in your mind rather than Massively. you know, I, I played a really good hand, you know, last night or whatever. Um, but yeah, again, that just yeah comes down to yep. understanding the variance of the game because you know those those hand classes are right up there because they are good hands and over you know a certain sample size you will win over the course of your playing career with with aces and might not seem like it for a little yeah for little stretch period, if you yeah. especially if you're going on a downswing and you just keep getting those premiums getting them in keep getting them cracked yeah it just feels like well I'm playing them wrong I should I need to play them differently maybe I should yeah you know ship in a hundred big big blinds pre so I just take down the blinds and keep going from there just to yeah. just so they don't get cracked but yeah it's um yeah times like those you need to kind of stick to your formula stick to your game plan and just keep pushing through how do you play jacks there's no right way to play them is there <laughs> that's what i've heard that's it's <laughs> I, that's, I hate jacks yeah it's it's, it's uh, one of those hands like it's not you know it is um two pitcher cards but it's usually not the ones you know you love to see um but then it's a notch above you know tens and nines and eights it's just yeah. it's just in that weird that weird spot because um on the flop you are going to see an overcard I forget what the percentage is, whether it's 30 or 40% of the time or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. Like, do you slow play, try and trap? Do you just play aggressive, hope a smaller flop comes out? Um, My favourite hand, 7-2 offsuit. They have to be offsuit. I want the dirtiest hand possible. <laughs> the can't dirtiest, be suited. The nope, can't, nope. I, I hate suit. <laughs> you got two flush draws in yeah. as well. <laughs> but, yeah, big blind special, 7-2. And uh, I think it might have been John. Beswick, he had aces, tried to slow play him, board was 7-2, turned the full house and then he puts the heat on, come the river, another brick. Yeah, so I missed his ace. And yeah, I've, I've got the book it. and yep. I was like, let's go. But that's the thing, like, I don't know. If he just raised pre-flop, I'm folding. Yeah, like, exactly Even right, if yeah. it is my favourite hand, you know, if you're going to give me a free look and I, I, fold, uh, I flop two pair, now it's a different story. So exactly right. Like, yeah, sometimes a yeah, your decision is based, yeah, it could change due to earlier action or something like that. Like a lot of times, you know, by the river, you know, you show your cards and someone says, Oh, well, how'd you show up with that hand? You know, you had eight, four off. And it's like, well, I was in last position, everyone limped. Mm. You know, the pot's already a thousand. It was an extra hundred for me. I'm just priced in with any two cards. Yeah. So if you don't want my hand class in, maybe you should be raising a little bit more. So yeah. Um, I, you know. It's not like I did anything wrong, so maybe you should reevaluate massively. Your play. Like I think on the final table last night, like thankfully to get the RW from that, uh, three players. I folded the ace four, and Joe, who ended up winning the hand with a straight, had the ace four, and just the way that she played that versus me just throwing it in the muck, ace rag, uh, under the gun, raised pre. Like I'm, I'm putting him on something better than ace four. You know what I mean? But yep. it's just the way that people play. And even final tables, you know, you find that it's a lot more like bingo. You find a lot more jams pre-flop. It's quite hard, I find, it final tables here. Yeah, especially, yeah, by the time, yeah, depending on, yeah, the the player pool size and what time you get down to final table because, as, as I mentioned earlier, like they do have to – got to set end time pretty much. So if yeah. it, it takes a long time to get to the final table, blinds are going to be quite high relative to stack size. So you might – like we, um, yeah. So yeah. For example, last night is the first blind level one one or one two. I wasn't sure. I got there just yeah. before the break. 
Yeah, so it, I think it's one one there, yeah. but it's one two tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for example, like you, you're starting yeah one one. Start with thirty thousand in chips. You got you know start the night with three thousand big blinds. By the time you get down to the final table, average stack might be four big blinds. Like you just you just not yeah deep and you know. Ideally, when you get to the final table, you want to be playing your best poker, and because Massively. as I said, that all the money's up top and everything like that. But you could probably, yeah, um, like the structures are just, yeah, a lot more relaxed in the big series, like down in um, like with the, all the APL tour stops and everything like that, because they want to give the, you know, the best best experience and stuff like that. And if a tournament runs long, um, I know in the past that they have stopped it early as the morning and come back and played it out the next day, not you know rush the structure to just to you know we'll just get it done and move on to the next one but yeah understand the weekly ones need to yeah. get it done but yeah often you you know you'll go to the final table as chip later and you know you might only have seven big blinds in front of you and yeah you lose a couple of flips you could be chip later to busting before the money i think the best idea like this is where it really the the switch sort of flicked for me was when it's not you versing the other 50 or 60 people it's you versing the seven or, you know, six or seven in front of you. Yep, 100%. And mm. not only that, like, if there's a few people battling it out, don't get involved. Like, let them knock each other out. Play your best poker. Exactly. Like, you, you don't, don't mm. really limit, you know, your exposure, you especially to, on certain yeah. hands. You don't need to flip sometimes. You don't need to knock everyone out of the final table. Like, it's – Yeah. You just, yeah, got to – yeah, sometimes be patient and just wait it out. Get lucky. Like you have to get lucky to win a tournament as well. Like there's yeah, no, you got to run hot. There's like. no, there's no denying it. Like um, yeah, when I won at the, at the uh, yeah the Peps last week, um, I think we're still out of money. I think there's six left. Um, and I got yeah all my chips in with uh, wait for it, pocket jacks, pre flop, <laughs> got called by Ace Queen, flop had an ace on it, so I've got two outs to win. Yeah, got down to the turn and um, yeah, good friend, yeah, played Peter Buck. Blackhole was dealing and he said a jack and a jack only. Bang, jack on the river. Oh, and I was yeah. already standing up. So I just got the double up and then oh, um it's a good feeling when it happens. It is. So yeah, and then it happened again when we were heads up, yeah, for the whole thing. Uh, I was actually heads up against his wife, which was made it even funnier. Oh, and he it. and he said, Yeah, came down to the river and I was behind his again. I think I had Jack Ten suited. Um and I needed a diamond on the river and he said a diamond only. And his wife said, You said that before, and then he puts a diamond out and that was quite yeah, it's quite crazy. funny, but um, yeah, you just you just have to get lucky to. They had a game in uh, Namurka, and she still doesn't talk to me after this. So her and her daughter they reshuffled the tables. I was probably sitting on a bit over a mill. There was a bigger bloke with long hair from Finley. He's quite a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on the table next to me. We were, we we're chatting. I'm in big blind. Uh, I jack seven. Uh, the daughter goes all in. She probably had two or three big blinds. Has calls, I call, flops seven seven jack. So I've flopped the book. Mm. Uh, Kaz raises, I go over the top. She calls, then it was another seven. So I've upgraded from full book to quads. To quads. Uh, I go all in. She calls. We show, and she's like, "You shouldn't have been in the hand." And I'm like, "Hang on a sec." And the guy next to me, the guy from Finley, went in. And he's like. Who's it to you to say what hand he should should or shouldn't be in? And I'm like, chip leader, two X to the leader player across from me. I fluff a book. You know, that gets upgraded quite I think she had ace jack. So yeah. I think the the river ended up being a bloody uh an ace anyway. 
but it still would have counterfeited to give her a full book. But yeah, quads, it's pretty good to get quads. Exactly. Try to slow play in two if you can, because nothing can really beat you. <laughs> that's I have it. seen quads v quads though. Yeah, right. That's, that's pretty disgusting. Yeah, that's that's a very rare occurrence. Yeah, mm. but um, yeah, still doesn't talk to me to this day, which is, <laughs> I think because I laughed and she didn't like that. But yeah, I think I made the money. I think I come fourth or fifth that paid mm. three or 400 bucks. But it was one of those games, like everyone just used their PTCs because I wasn't going down to Melbourne at that stage. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah. This is a question and it was something that I wanted to ask Peter last night, but it didn't come to me. Yep. How do you manage bankroll? Um, that's a good question. I think that, yeah, it comes down to personal preference and how seriously you take the game, I think. Um, so, yeah, poker is just a, um, always has been a hobby for me. So um, don't take it, you know, too seriously. So like, like anyone who has a hobby, you just, you know, set aside a certain amount. Like if, you know, you like, playing golf you know you got your your clubs and your green fees and everything like that so that's yeah. a that's a certain amount of money on the side and you know you spend that to enjoy your time and i i'd view poker um the exact same the exact same much. way so it's you know um uh yeah like i kind of i've only really been tracking my results um yeah just on my instagram page just for something to do and just to i'm interested in Hey, to say hey, run. It's no different to my well. pod. It's no different to the mm. podcast, man. It's like poker's your hobby, and the way that you've set it up, I find it quite nice. Yeah, so like, I mean, you're not on there twenty four seven, but um, yeah, just have a free yeah bankroll uh, tracker app. So just put yeah every single result in there as well. So it's, I'm not just recording the wins, so it is very transparent. So it's the the ups and the downs. Um, yep. but you know, it's a hobby that you can like win money at as well. Like you know, you go play your golf and everything like that. You get your enjoyment out of that, but you know, you're putting money into that, that you might see back in a monetary yeah. um, reward. But, you know, I enjoy the game and we just got some chance, chances to, yeah. you know, actually make something, make, make some money and stuff like that. Or just even, um, you know, going down to a series stop and you have a cash here or there or whatever, and it pays for your weekend. You've had a free weekend away. It's a pretty good poker. feeling when it like happens. It's, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's quite good. So. Yeah. It's just, mm. um, it always makes me wonder how people, make the leap with anything mm. of course but especially with poker like how you make the leap from a you know $150 buy in side game in an APL PT to actually you know going into the Centurion or the Jack Star and cashing on a regular basis you know there was a guy down in Melbourne that fired five bullets into the Centurion so that's mm. $12,500 at what point do you have to draw the line? Because I think he would have had to final table just to break even. I was going to say, you need to be playing to win at that point. Yeah. If it's unlimited re-entry, that's, yeah, again, that just comes down to the, the personal bankroll, I think. Um, and, yeah, like it it can be good to like boost the prize pool and stuff in regards to having those unlimited re-entries. But I think for most, I think it's, I think the World Series don't do that anymore because back in the early 2000s, um, I think it was one of the bracelets Negroni won. It was unlimited re-entry. He would sit down and just keep going all in blind until he built up a huge stack um, just because he had said bankroll to do. I mean, he's a great player. Like once he gets those chips, he's going to manoeuvre the, the tournament and he's head and shoulders above people, especially back back in yeah, those days sure. as well. Like he was one of the first like – 
uh, he was a real mover as far as the ranges and the stats. Like back in the day, you know, door brunts in that era, it was just you've got the cards or you don't. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You so, know, and you couldn't check raise back then either. You couldn't trap the way you can now. So it's uh, quite a shift. It is. But yeah. I know exactly mm. what you mean. I remember Reef fired two bullets in the super high roller and he, I think, knocked over a tripod and really cracked it. Think, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that happened last the last two, year at the World Series. And that 250 made a few, K buy-in. A few headlines. Yeah, like you, um, yeah, you fire one, one bullet and then um, rebuy. It's crazy. That's, that's half a million, half a million done. It's so much money mm. to think like, God, half a mil US as well. Mm. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, some of the, some of the buy-ins can, can get right up there, but, um, what do you do? Yeah. It's, yeah, that's, that's a different world. Mm. Those are uh, all those super high rollers. And, and I think um, like they might only pull a field of maybe 50 players. Exactly. And it's, it's usually a very similar 50 as well. Like it's pretty rare that you'll, yeah. like you might say a businessman, here and there, you know, yeah, flying or, from or somewhere. A tech millionaire. Exactly. You where know. again, because money is, you know, yeah, that's that's king. their version of what I'm doing, you know. I, yeah. you know, have full time employment and I put some money aside to play cards and, you know, they run one of the biggest tech companies of the world. Yeah. You know, quarter million is just a bit of bit of change and yeah. I like an opportunity and I want to sit with the best in the world and see how I go. Yeah, it's crazy to think, mm. you know, like their play money compared to ours in the real world. It's just, yeah, it's it incredible. But um, what what would your approach be if you were to go to a, a World Series of Poker, you know, 42 days in Vegas? Would you play like the lower ones, oh, regardless of bankroll? Mm. Because obviously the, the lower games do entice a far bigger participation, although there's got to be a, a percentage of, likelihood to get to the end exactly right so yeah i think you just have to um really concentrate on game selection there i mean there's there's that many tournaments running over those two months you could literally play every single day if you wanted to but you're not going to perform when you do that you're going to run into burnout like i yeah i've listened to podcasts of pros just you know i'm going to put in big big volume at the world series i'm going to play 42 events i'm really going to you know chase the bracelets after two weeks they're just miserable because they as i said earlier 90 percent of the time tournament you're not even going to get in the money let alone final table let alone top three let alone win a bracelet like it's just the odds are already against you but you know you have to be in it to win it um so i think it would come down to yeah looking at the schedule and i'll probably be a little bit selective of um yeah what i did play just probably yeah select some tournaments where i thought i would have might be break even or have a little bit of, of an, an advantage yeah but um yeah like i don't believe no limits my my best game but then you've got tournaments that come up like last year they had the million dollar bounty and i think what the buy-in was like 400 for that or something like that yeah i think it's up now um to 15 or maybe I'm getting that wrong, but or maybe that's the thousand uh, dollar mystery millions bounty, or it might have been the um, yeah, it was a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, and you pull one guy pulled out a million dollars just mm. out of the a bounty envelope, like yep. that's crazy. And of, of anyone was actually a um, a high stakes pro as well, so mm. that was <laughs> that was quite quite funny to you know it could it could have been girl. any punter in the room, and Had one of the pros in. goes up there and pulls pulls the mill ball, but. Just for a chance of that lottery ticket, I would, you know, be jumping in that tournament because, you know, you never know. Like, I think 
the million, I think for the, the win for that tournament was like 1.2, 1.4. So the, pulling the million bounty is more than second place in that tournament. That's pretty good. So, and that's literally just for knocking one person out. You don't even have to make it near the money. So You don't even have to cash. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah for, for other tournaments, like, you know, I think it's nearly on everyone's bucket list to play the World Series main event. Um, yeah, 10K. I, I think ten, that's about 14 grand Australian. Yeah, 14 grand Australian. You've also got to remember, I think, unless um, you've got some agreements or um, – Cash wise, there's cash. a few ways you can do it. Wire it over prior. Exactly, but yeah, just just Stuff. with the taxes with Australia, I think they take they might take thirty percent. I think of winnings. Uh, actually, or has that changed? No, no, that's changed. So Adrian Attenborough, who comes second, he was an Aussie. Yeah, last year he moved May. over there as a resident, so right. he had to pay the taxes. So even though he comes second, he only made as much as what fourth did, right? Because of the taxes that he incurred. Whereas just say if he kept his part-time job in Australia, the uh, going back to Joe Hatcham, mm-hmm. 05, I think that set precedent. So right. if he was to still be an Australian citizen living in Australia, he wouldn't have had to pay any tax on that, mo- on that money. Oh, well, that's good to know. So that's, mm. yeah, that's, yeah, it's um, pretty interesting. Like do you keep your job and then go over there on like, long service leave in the hope that if you do cash, it's all tax free. Um, yeah, I think that might be the way to go. Be the plan, take a bit of leave and- um, Yeah, don't quit your job. Go, don't, don't quit. <laughs> quit to fly to the US and um, yeah. think you're going to win three bracelets and then That'd be so come, come good, back eh? a pro. Three bracelets, geez. Yeah, that's um, it's been done a few times in history, but that's yeah, quite, quite rare these days. Yeah. Um, Especially with the fields, like the Gladiator of Poker, that's three mil guaranteed. That's the lowest entry of- 300 um i was listening to something the other day and they believe they're going to get upwards of thirty thousand participants yeah it's insane i think a couple of years ago like the colossus which is was very similar yeah that's is that 700 or, or 350 it was around it was definitely under the 1k mark and they yeah, yeah they got twenty thousand people but even um last year's main event was the second biggest main event in history so that's a, that's a really good sign so that was a tick over eight eight thousand people i think and um yeah, the biggest biggest was Jamie Gold's year. That yeah, was Colossus over, 400. Over 10, 400, yeah. 400. So, yeah, 20,000 people. So, yeah. it's, um, no, no, live poker is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. And even in Australia with, um, yeah, the tournament series is going on around. Just, it's just more the casino-based ones. Um, Tournament-wise are kind of struggling at the moment, but that's due to, yeah, just licensing. And the way that they're conducting issues. themselves too, I think is quite good. You know, like it's educating just the regular person. Hey, you can learn how to play poker at a pub nearby instead of driving two hours to Melbourne to play at the casino. Exactly. And if you're learning, you want to learn to play the casino, lowest, lowest buy-in, you have to sit down at one three table. You're already, I think minimum buy-ins at least $150 at or least, something like that. Yeah. So you can come down to a yeah, $25, $30 tournament. Um, and the TD will help you. The people on the table will help you. Exactly right, that. And if you're lucky enough to win your first tournament, you buy in for yeah that twenty five bucks. You might go home with three hundred, and you're just yeah. like, this is pretty sweet. You, know, you got a little bankroll to to start with already. You might hear birds. Uh, we're in the new house. I'm near the fauna park, and there's a lot of birds that call that place their home. So apologies if I can't edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um I think. The community, there's probably seven or eight guys, including yourself, that it's good to bump into when I'm going to Shep on a Wednesday or a Thursday night. You know, you can have a conversation, chat about hands, how you've been traveling, 
where your, where your stack is at the break. And even when you're seated on the same table, it's good dynamics. You can really bounce off of each other and push the envelope there. Yeah, that's it. And it's- Try and better, better each other hmm. more and than it, anything as well. It's a, so, a social game at the end of the day as well. Like yeah. Sit, sit there and, um, yeah, as I said, don't like to take- don't like to take it too seriously. Um, just, yeah, have some fun. Like I learned to play the game with my friends and like to sit down and just be, yeah, social and positive and encourage newer people to play and it's great to see, yeah, people have, yeah, been around, you know, since the since the start, since um, APL came on the scene after Hashem won the World Series and it blew up everywhere and, you yeah. know, you could play every single night of the week in Shep and, you know, venues were getting 20 tables and stuff like that. It was every Crazy. second person played poker. It was yeah. absolutely, absolutely mental back, back in those days. But, um, yeah. you know, it's died down since, but it's definitely not going anywhere and I'm, I'm not going away from the game anytime soon either. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely happy keeping it a hobby. I think just jumping into that lifestyle head on would be, um, yeah, quite stressful. Um, and yeah, very high pressure just, um, you know, building your your life bankroll, not just your hobby bankroll. Yeah, based, exactly. Based on the card game, because um, yeah, I had um, yeah, he's, he's kind of got out of the game now. But um, one of my friend Bridges, he um, so what year was it? He played the Aussie Millions in 2017, um, and he was he was just pretty much playing full time, um, and he put together a bit of a bit of a um, series package and said, oh, you know, I'm playing these events. Do you want to buy a percentage? And so I, I jumped in for, I think it was only 1%. So um, he had a good start to the series. He, um, I think, final table to PLO. So that was that was really good. Um, and then he came into the accumulator and it was a two-day event, managed to run through and win the whole thing for a six-figure score. Wow. So that was that was pretty amazing seeing, you know, someone you'd known. For for a little bit, and um, had lived with in the past, just run through and just go all the way and win an Aussie Millions ring. So I think it was for 126k or something like that. Jesus. So that was a good little. And you got your one percent. Got me a little one percent of there. So he threw, yeah. threw that back to me. So that was a good little investment. Um, but you know, with that lifestyle, brings the variance, and I'm pretty sure it was either that year or the year after he went over to the World Series and played a bunch of events and got one min cash. So I think he might have played like 14 events, one min cash, and that was it. So. You can definitely see the highs and the lows and just, yeah, just thinking anything outside of a hobby, it would be quite stressful just yeah, massively. Leaving, leaving it all to... I think Dan Bilzerian, uh, that off the felt, if you've not seen, it's like a mini series on YouTube, check it out, yep. quite good. You know, like the stress associated, like being on a table where you're under that much stress that he, he says he could literally like pull his own hair out. Like, um, and you... I think he said it on Joe Rogan, like you, you can't be on anything, uh, any stimulants, you know, you can't be drunk. I know I play loose when I've had a few beers, um, which helps now that I'm a little bit away and have to drive there, <laughs> you know, it takes the edge off. But yeah, you, you can't be stoned, no drugs. He says all of those, You really to play your best poker, you need to be sober, mm. um, which makes me wonder because we don't really have it in Australia, but they talk about it quite a lot in America, uh, especially in colleges like Adderall, Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that's how that would go like with your concentration and longevity, I think, especially with a multi-day game. Exactly. And I think, um, yeah, even back in the day when online poker was booming, people were just, you know, trying to stay up for days. Yeah. Yeah. Just playing all the multi-tables and stuff like that because, um, 
like PokerStars had a rewards program back in the day. Um, and if you played a certain amount of hands at the end of the year, you would get rewarded. Um, and some of those players would just try and play break-even poker the entire year, just play a certain amount of hands, and at the end would get rewarded. Like you'd make it to a certain tier level and they would just reward you with like 100K or something like that just for putting in so much volume because, you know, PokerStars would take a rake from every hand. So you, yeah. you wouldn't want to, you know, get yourself in a in a hole. But if you were a break-even player – um, playing, you know, silly amount of tables at once, like back to back. And I think it was, I think it was up to twenty-four. You could twenty-four Jesus. table, so it would just be tiled. And you'd then your hands, I reckon. I don't know how people did it. So yeah, people just did that just to run up their their status. That's crazy. And just play break even, but I'm sure that wasn't all all natural. Like they would have to be sometimes. Like yeah, yeah, have to hit a mark. I think every single month, otherwise you drop drop down in the tiers. So it was. Yeah, people would just yeah, I'm sure they were getting a little bit of help. Yeah. Somewhere along the lines. But um yeah, like even even fatigue would Yeah, definitely have Especially a, long have term, you know, like mm. WSOP, you know, if you're gonna be there for the whole time, forty two nights, you could go hard for the first ten, but as you mentioned earlier on, you know, like you cooked. Yeah, you want to avoid burnout. You definitely yeah. would have to have your break days in there and you, oh you'd have to, and I think yeah. they've incorporated that. Like the main event, I think there's two break days. Like that they divvy up, so yep. and they'll only play, you know, if you do uh, get to the last two tables, like they'll play the final table, and then they'll play the top four. Yeah, that's and, it. Like yeah. the, the televised, so yeah, you might only play two hours of poker in a day, or depending on the television, you know, they may vary that. Mm. So, but um, I reckon we wrap this up. Yeah, it's no been going no. for a bit over an hour. Yep. Um, just for a bit of a plug, what are we drinking today? So you've pulled out some um some halftime pale ales here. Yeah, so, Deeds Brewing. Deeds uh, Brewing. So yeah, just thought we'd uh, keep it fairly sensible. Obviously, uh, we got to trek over and play a bit of poker tonight. That's it. I'll be yeah. back on the lemonades, maybe a coffee at the break. So see how we run. But uh, no, it's good. Uh, it. So Glen Oris Brew. So yeah, yeah, nice. Proudly independent since 2012. So. Yeah, recommended. Yeah. Um, just for the listeners, if they want to hear more of you and follow your poker journey, where can they do that? Um, so yeah, just on Instagram, just DC underscore poker. So, um, as I said, don't post every day. It's not a, not a full-time thing, but, um, yep. I'll get on there probably maybe once a week, do a bit of an update. So it'll range from, um, like I'm very transparent with my current bankroll. I'm kind of tracking that over the, the yeah, past 18 months so far. So do a few updates here and there, maybe a couple yep. of shots from some, some, some live games and, um, yeah, the other week I was yeah playing a new new mixed game on PokerStars just for a bit of play money. So posting yep. about that and just um, yeah, I'll definitely definitely be on there for the um the uh, Aubrey series coming up. So I might even I don't know try and take some some video content or something like that and chop it up and yeah, put it on there or something like that just to yep. yeah just kind of um, encapsulate the experience and stuff like that because I yeah I highly recommend it for um yeah it's just such a great step from yeah going to just the weekly pub poker day, games to a to a full series, it's just that, um, yeah, stepping point and just having that, um, being able to win points for entry, it's just, um, yeah, great initiative. And I, yeah, can't, can't talk it up, talk enough. it up enough, really. Yeah. yeah, it's oh, great. yeah. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Jackson. Cheers. Thanks, mate. See you guys. Bye.